Thank you for joining the live broadcast of East Bay Bible Fellowship in Alameda, California. We pray that you'll be blessed by the worship and the preaching of God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about our service times and location, feel free to call us at 510-697-8220 or go to our website at ebbfellowship.com. That's ebbfellowship.com. Thank you and God bless. So let's get right into this. Book of Malachi, chapter 3, and uh, we're going to begin reading at verse number 8. The Bible says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there might be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your grounds, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before uh, the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, Amen. For you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. That very last and beautiful passage uh, uh, of Scripture says that they will be blessed, amen, and it will be seen by all nations, and they will have a delightsome land. And uh, all that begins with bringing all the tithes and the offerings to God's house. Right. And so tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about tithing. I believe that this will be fruitful for all of us. I have enjoyed this, and uh, I believe this, this will be good. So let's get started. Um, the dictionary defines tithing, and it's pretty accurate. The dictionary describes tithing as a tenth of an individual's income pledged to a church. A tenth of an individual's income pledged to the church. Now, uh, there are there there are several theologians that disagree about the origin and the purpose and the principle of tithing. They all do agree on one point, however, whether they are for it or against it. There is one common thing they all agree on: that it comes from and was common in antiquity. That means that they may disagree on where it comes from. They may disagree on whether or not people do it uh, or need to do it as New Testament believers. But one thing they are certain of is that it comes from antiquity and that it was commonly practiced by all people. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Sumerians, all of them paid a tenth of their income to their gods as a fixed rule for centuries. In fact, one of the largest buildings in Babylon was the storehouse for the tithes used for pagan and heathen worship. When we understand this, the question of Malachi 3.8, will a man rob God, opens up an even bigger question. Will God's people do to their God what heathens refuse to do to their gods? And so when we look at history, we see that heathens 
and pagans, when they looked at their gods, they said, we're going to pay a tenth of everything that we have to our gods. And can you imagine the fury and the anger and perhaps even the disappointment of God when he looks at his own people and they're not even doing that for him? Amen. The New Testament abounds with reminders to all believers. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Amen. It, uh, to all believers, not that they should give. That's not what the New Testament tells us to do. It does not tell us to give. It tells us to be generous. What the Bible does not abound with are scriptures on why somebody should not give. In fact, some of the most powerful accounts in the Bible of people giving had uh, involved people who had very little to give in the first place. And so there is no rich or poor person in the Bible that did not give. Some of the people that gave, amen, at least from Jesus' perspective, the greatest amount yeah. were actually people who did not have much to give at all. Romans 12 and 8, the common English version says, if we can give, we should be generous. Generosity is not an amount. Generosity is not a number. Generosity is an attitude, and it's a lifestyle. Yes. Proverbs 21 and 26, and again in the CEV, and I can do KJV, but I want you guys to understand when people really try to you know, give you the most basic, common uh, translation of these verses, but the CEV in Proverbs 21 26 says, people who obey God are always generous. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, and the NIV says, each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right. One translation said, God loves people who love to give. Amen. Generosity reveals that we've done a different kind of math. It is a math that does not focus on numbers. It's a math that counts blessings. I want you to stop and consider all the blessings that you have received from God. John 3 and 15, 1 John 5 and 11 says that God has given us eternal life. James 1 and 17, 2 Peter 1 and 3 says that God has given us everything in life that's good and perfect. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has given us love, power, and self-control or a sound mind. <coughs> Psalm 68.19, Psalms 103.2, and Psalms 116 and 12 says that God gives us benefits. You've received, we have received eternal life. We have received everything that's good and perfect about life. Yep. We have received love, Man. power, and a healthy mind. Amen. We have received benefits. Yeah. In, in Psalms it says, daily he loadeth us with benefits. Amen. You have received benefits from God. Right. Amen. This is awesome. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, now, this is why we give back to God. Amen. But let's discuss just for a few moments a more structured approach to giving and to generosity. And, you know, uh, this, this is good. But let's discuss a more uh, structured approach to giving and generosity or what the Bible refers to as tithing. The first person in the Bible to ever tithe was a man named Abraham. This is important because no prophet or patriarch is described as playing such a crucial role in the life of New Testament believers. At one point, the Bible even refers to us, New Testament believers, as the children of Abraham. In other words, it calls Abraham our father. 
Now I want you to stop and consider the fact that this is not phrasing the Bible throws around lightly. In fact, one thing that the Bible wants us to know is that God is our Father. The Bible says that we have one Father, amen, uh, who is Father of all, above all, through us all, in us all. But at one point, Jesus even says not to call any man Father. And so for, for the Bible to actually tell us that Abraham is our Father is a huge deal. Look at Galatians 3 and 29. Who can read Galatians 3 and 29? Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians 3 and 29. Who's got it? And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. Who can read Galatians 3 and 7? Who's got, go back a few verses. Who's got 7? Verse number 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Romans 4 and 16 says, Abraham is the father of us all. Amen. The Bible calls Abraham our father. One of the most compelling things about Abraham's practice of tithing is the circumstances under which he practiced it. I want you to look at Hebrews 7 and 4. It says, Now consider how great this man, Melchizedek, was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of his spoils. The story behind this verse in Hebrews is that Abraham goes out to war and fights a ferocious battle. When Abraham comes back from that battle, he is greeted by a priest named Melchizedek. Melchizedek, seeing Abraham's need for food and rest, gives him wine and bread. This is actually the first foreshadow in the Bible to communion. All right? Uh, Last but not least... Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Abraham, as an expression of gratitude to Melchizedek for his spiritual service to him, gives him a tenth of everything he just won in battle. Now, here we see a beautiful story which acts as a model for relationships between believers and Jesus Christ. Amen. For example, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is a heavenly priest after the order or like Melchizedek. Amen. Hebrews 5 and 10 says that God chose Jesus to be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Verses like this and others are without question encouraging us to interact with Jesus in the same way that Abraham interacted with Melchizedek. If Abraham is our father and Jesus is our Melchizedek, we should be treating this priest the same way our father did. We should continue on in the ways of our fathers. Amen. Hallelujah. Every day that we go out into the world as people of faith, uh, we fight countless battles. Anybody here ever feel like they're fighting battles on the job? Hallelujah. You are fighting battles on the job. Fortunately, many of those battles result in you being blessed financially. Income doesn't come easy. And all of us have to fight to carve out a living. Despite all of this, God visits us every day. He lifts our spirits. He blesses our souls. And He strengthens our bodies. He makes it possible for us to make it another day. The best and the least we could do. Everyone say the least. The best and the least we could do is give a tenth of our victories back to God. Uh, Today, I... I, I can't remember his name. I just know his last name is Glenn. Uh, he died 
Uh, he was 95 years old. John, he, Glenn. John Glenn. John Glenn died today at the age. You remember John Glenn, Russell? John Glenn died today, this Thursday, at 95 years old. He is an astronaut. He was the first man to ever orbit planet Earth. And I read this quote that just, man, it got me good. I said, I'm using this tonight. John Glenn said, when I was coming back to Earth and my, and my, and my, 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 my ship, my spaceship, my rocket ship, whatever, my, uh, what are they called? Yeah, whatever, rocket ship. Uh, my spaceship started shaking and rattling as I was breaking through the atmosphere. He said, the only thing I could think of is this plane was made up of people, of pieces that were, that were purchased to the lowest bidder. In essence, he said, Here, my life is now resting on a bunch of metal and buttons and gadgets that were made as cheaply as they could be made. And can you imagine how Jesus Christ feels that he has a church? Can you imagine how Jesus Christ would feel that he has a church, that he wants to be a light and a witness to the world to save souls? Yeah. Not, we're not just saving lives, we're saving souls. Right. All right, And to think that he would have a church full of people that want to give the least. That just give the least they could. That's not the way the gospel is going to move. That's not the way, you know, at some point or another, God's going to need people that are not just trying to do the least. They're trying to do their best. They're not just trying to give. They're trying to be generous. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Tithing is the act of giving God what's already His. Uh, amen. We don't we don't pay our tithes. We give back our tithes. Amen. We don't even bring our tithes. We return our tithes. The tithe is already God's anyways. We're just giving it back to Him. But if you if 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 you did want to debate about whether tithing is for New Testament believers or not, you are only left with one thing, and that is generosity. Now, furthermore, it's a generosity that is applicable to everyone. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, the Apostle Paul starts off with this word, let every one of you give. That means that he is saying, it don't matter how broke you are, it don't matter how rich you are, it don't matter how middle in class you are, everyone give generously. And so there is no verse for no one give nothing. There is no verse for, uh, you know, uh, if it's convenient. Yeah, right, yeah. There is no verse for that. Right. There's only verses for tithing. And then if you want to exclude tithing, if you wanted to buy into that lie, amen, uh, then you would, have to, you would have to believe in generosity. And when you look at New Testament generosity, brother, most of us would shake in our boots. Because uh, uh, they gave up their houses. Right. They sold all their possessions. Yeah, they and they, they laid it down at the feet of the apostles. Wow. Uh, and when they weren't doing that, they were giving big money. They were laying it all down. And even the poor people were laying it all down. Yeah. So it's a, it's, it was they, for them, in fact, it is commonly believed that in Bible times, most biblical expositors will tell you this. And in biblical times, if you, were to, if you were to kind of work with people's livelihood, one-third of their livelihood was dedicated solely to religious purposes. That's it. Uh, in fact, the biblical tithe was a lot more than what we give today. The biblical tithe was 10% to the priesthood, uh, uh, another 10% to the temple, and then uh, there was another percentage that you would give every three years to the poor. So there was a lot more being given in those days than what we give in these days. Um, and so... There's just no argument for I don't give nothing. That's just, God's not buying that. God's not down with that. God's not cool with that. Um, I believe Jesus was a tither. I mean, I know he was. I want you to stop and think about this. 
During Jesus' ministry, he was accused of a lot of things. Jesus was accused of a lot of things. He was accused of treason. He was accused of blasphemy. He was accused of, uh, of being under demonic empowerment. He was accused of being a glutton. He was accused of being a drunk. He was accused of being a liar. He was accused of being born of fornication. But you know one thing they never accused Jesus of? Not tithing. They never accused him. They never said, you withhold your tithe. They, they, didn't, they couldn't get Jesus on that one. Somewhere somebody knew, hey, that guy, he's got a, he, we got papers in the back. He ain't, he ain't missed the, the tithe yet. Hallelujah. Um, and I'll go one step further. Uh, not Peter, not Paul, not John, not Mark, not any of the disciples, when standing before the high priests, when standing before the Jewish rulers, were ever accused of breaking this matter. They were never accused of not tithing. In fact, if they could have been, I believe they would have been. Uh, the religious leaders would have seized eagerly, amen, on this infraction if they had given the opportunity. But they couldn't. Nobody could say Paul doesn't tithe. Nobody could say, you know what, the reason we're bringing Peter in today to beat him is because he's been breaking this Mosaic law. Those guys didn't break that commandment. Those guys didn't break that law. Matthew 23 and 23. I'm going to need somebody to read that for me. Matthew 23, 23. We're... We're not too far from being done. Matthew 23 and 23. Amen. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These are you to have done and not to leave the other undone. All right. Here Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he tells them, well, with the Pharisees, and he says, you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. And this is what he says. He says, you tithe on mint, cumin, and anise, which are like their herbs, their spices. He says, you guys, you guys, are, you guys are tithing on, on, on these spices. Uh, and he says, but you have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And a lot of people stop there and they'll say, see that? See right there? Jesus saying that it's more important that you be, you know, this loving, caring, merciful, faithful person. Uh, but... They, they stop right there and they don't read the rest of the verse where Jesus says, uh, this ought you to have done, but not leave the other undone. Right. All right. So Jesus specifically states that they should not have left the practice of tithing undone. The Pharisees and the scribes had several problems. All right. The tithing wasn't one of them. Jesus could, 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 could nail them for a lot of things. But one thing Jesus never got them on was tithing. You'll never hear Jesus tell a Pharisee, hey, you guys, you guys need to get your tithing game up. Yeah. They, they didn't have a problem there. Jesus' prescription here is not one or the other. Jesus was not saying, you guys need to choose between <laughs> being merciful and being faithful uh, or, or being good tithers. He's not saying that. Right. It's quite the opposite. What Jesus is promoting is that there should be an all-inclusive attention to details. He is wishing that his people... Amen. Could be as meticulous about giving mercy and having faith as they are about giving 10%. Yeah. He wants people to say, you know what? I'm ready to give mercy at the drop of a hat, even about the little stuff. Amen. Amen. Because, uh, you know, that's kind of how mercy works. Like everybody here, we always imagine the worst thing somebody can do to us. And then we're, we start crying in the car. We're like, I forgive them. You know, because God, I just, I'd be the best Christian I could be. 
But Jesus saying, no, I want you to be that kind of person that you, you can forgive about any little thing. Amen. You can forgive about the smallest matters. Amen. There is a wholeness here that Jesus is saying is possible. It is a wholeness that doesn't separate money and morals, but keeps them both as an expression of worship and love. So Jesus here is saying, you can actually do both. You can be extremely moral, and you can be extremely generous. You don't have to... You don't have to give up one or the other. You can follow the law to the tooth. You can, you can observe God's word tick for tack. Amen. And you can also be a good person. Amen. You can, you can, you can section off giving. You can, you can be a good giver. And you can be a good person. And um, uh, I, I think that's what God wants. The, 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 uh, the Apostle John said, Brethren, I would that you prosper even as your soul does prosper. Yeah. The apostles desired for God's people to have a prospering about them. Amen. That was reflective and equal to the prospering of having the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So he, he said, man, I wish that what you had on the inside was also on the outside. Because the reality is, again, Jesus is not going to have a dynamic church on people on the lowest, on a bunch of low bidders. Right. It's just not going to happen. <coughs> All right? And uh, somewhere, somehow, there's just got to be a, a, a conviction in our hearts that, you know what? I'm giving over to this. I have skin in the game. Yeah. I, I'm going to be very honest. I think I've said this here before. I'll say it again. You know, the more, the more you invest into your local church, the more you give into the kingdom of God, really, you, you have now what they call vested interests. You're gonna, it's going to help you stick around, believe it or not. Uh, uh, I, I know one guy who struggled for years. I mean, he struggled for years, but he was a very generous giver. And uh, he did eventually backslide, but he had a hard time doing it. Because there was chairs he had paid for. There was walls he had helped paint. There was, there was you know, he, was, he had skin in the game. And uh, you have people these days, they don't, they don't you know, um, I even... I even know a while ago, I forget who was it, but one of these political pundits, they said, you know, we should just make a law that you can't even be a president unless you have family in the military. You shouldn't even be allowed to run for president unless you have a son, a daughter, or a father that has served in military. Because you have skin in the game. Uh, trust me, when you know that your son might be getting shipped off to, to Iraq, you're going you're gonna to make some very different judgment calls. Because you have skin, on the, you have skin in that game. It, it not only does it promote you to be more careful, it promotes mercy, it, 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 it gives you a greater awareness of your commitments, of, of, your, of all kinds of things, when you have skin in the game. And, you know, I'm not, I am personally, um, I was talking to, to Justin Poindexter about this, and I said, uh, I, we were talking about all the different models that people use for tithing. Everyone starts off with the 10%. Then some people go 10-5-5, other people go 10-5-2. Uh, everyone has all these little like 10% 10, 10, 10 tithe, 5% offering, 2% missions, whatever. You know, and I asked, I asked Brother Poindexter, I said, what, what were you taught? And he said, yeah, well, you know, I was taught tithing. And I said, were you, uh, you know, are you familiar with the 10-5-2, 10-5-5, whatever? And, and he said something that really got me, and I, I really appreciate it. He said, he said, yeah, we were kind of taught, you know, offers, you know, we just give, you know, what we, you know, what we, what we kind of felt to get. He said, but, but quite honestly, he said, if you were just to go by 10-5-2 or 10-5-5, he said, you're actually capping yourself. Mm -hmm. Even then, you're actually restricting yourself. 
Because the Bible is very clear about the fact that God is generous with people that are generous. So when you say 10 5, you're actually even putting a limit. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, why go 10 5 2 or 10 5 5 or whatever? You know, when you could be going 10 20, 10 10, or whatever, you know, you, you could actually be putting yourself in a position to really be blessed. You, I mean, uh, you are not going to outgive God. You are not going to outgive God. You can't do it. You can't do it. So, so having said all that, we're closing here. Who determines, who determines whether tithing is still applicable today or not? Who determines that? Theologians? No. Tithers. Because God specifically said, prove me. Prove me. Somebody who's never tithed, I don't even want to talk to you about the subject. You don't even have, you have no skin in the game. You don't even, you have no voice in this, in this discussion. If you have never tithed, because God, God's actually speaking, he's saying, here, let's, let's create a controlled environment. Let's, let's have a study. Let's, let's, let's prove this theory. Let's see if it's provable. And he says, prove me. He said, bring all the tithes. Bring the offerings to my house and see and see what I'll do. See what I'll just 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 prove me. Test me. And you know what? We we and I, I know I'm not I'm talking to everybody here. I'm preaching I'm preaching the choir tonight, but this is good. Yeah. None of us here have ever proved God and found him to be alive. Right. All of us here have just quite the opposite. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that we've not had hardships. But I think we can all sit here and say that at some point and at some seasons in your life, God has blessed you so much that you actually forgot about the hard times. You know what I mean? Like, I've had some hard times in life that you have to remind me about having them. uh, Because God has been that good to me since then. And you know what? And I gave during those hard times. Uh, We gave during those hard times. Not just of money, but of everything we had. We gave, we gave, we gave. And since that day till now, God's been very good. God's been good. And trust me, I know what it is to dig through the couch looking for quarters. And I also know what it is to be like, man, we're actually putting that money away this month. Wow, that's awesome. Praise God. Um, so God is good like that. God will not fail. And somebody shout, amen. Somebody shout, amen. All right, let's stand. Hallelujah. And I hope that that blessed you. I hope that that helps you. Um, I hope that you. I hope that the next time you tithe, you do it with joy. And not that, not that I suspect anybody here doesn't, but you know, you know, probably what is the worst thing any of us here are doing? The worst thing that probably any of us here are doing are probably underestimating the the goodness that comes back to us by tithing. We're we're probably so used to doing it these days that we don't even it's just it's automatic to us. But I think God actually wants us to to do it with expectation and joy yeah. and, and happiness and, 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 and be like, man, something, something good's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And you throw that down, man, something. We used to say, I just feel like something good is about to happen. Right. I just feel like something good is on its way. And uh, I think God wants us to shout that after we give our tithe. Amen. Amen. And after we give our offerings. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good word tonight. And Lord, I'm asking you, God, that you would bless your people. We pray, God, that you would open up the windows of heaven. Lord, at every stage in our lives. God, I pray there's kids here that are tithing. Lord, I pray you bless them even at this young age. God, I pray, Lord, that you would bless the young couples in this church tithing. God, I pray that you would bless those that are on 
on their way to retirement, Lord. God, I pray that everyone who's been faithful to your house, God, hallelujah, would receive, God, that blessing, hallelujah. I pray, God, that you would open up our eyes and increase our awareness to everything you do, God, with our eyes. Lord, that our praise might be greater, that our shout might be louder, that our singing might be, hallelujah, more robust, God. I pray, God, your blessings and your goodness will shower down on us. In Jesus' name, and somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. You know, nobody knows this, but I started this, this lesson series. Uh, I told Brother Poindexter this. I started this lesson series, what, six weeks ago? And uh, last week, uh, last week while, while we were teaching, um, uh, after I was done teaching, I went home and, uh, and I went to sleep. And uh, that night I had a dream and I was walking, I walked in through the doors of this church and everything was gone. And uh, all I saw was the guy taking, I think he had like a speaker. <laughs> I saw him taking the speaker and going out the back door and I ran and I caught him. And, and when I woke up, God revealed to me what that dream meant. God said, you've caught the thief. You've caught the thief. And that's what tithing does. It stops the devourer. You catch the thief in your life. Amen. And, and you know what? There's a, you know, I was telling just the point actually, I remember there's a time where me and my wife, if we paid a bill off, another one came in another form. You know, it was just like, you know, here, man, we just paid off that credit card and all of a sudden, man, you know, my tooth falls out. And then, man, it's like the same amount as I was in credit card. It's just like, you know, and, but you know what? You know, tithing and giving and offerings and doing it in the devil's face. Man, it stops the devourer. There just comes a point where God says, I'm going to bless you and nobody's going to stop it. Amen. And nothing, and God even won't one step further. He said, your vine will not produce its fruit early. It'll, everything will be right on time, on season. Amen. Your, your fruit won't go to rot and you won't eat it too early. Amen. You'll, you'll get good fruit. You'll have, you'll have good blessings. Amen. Hallelujah. So be encouraged, saints. Amen. God's, God's, God's stopping the devourer in your life. Hallelujah. Amen. That's a promise from the word of God. Somebody shout. Yes. Yeah. Amen. God bless you. We will see you here tomorrow night, 7 to 9. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Ye